Welcome to session 39 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 8th of February. Today we'll be looking at Leviticus 26 to 27 and Psalm 39. But so far in Leviticus, we've read through the detailed descriptions of ritual sacrifices and offerings. This included the burnt grain, peace and sin offerings. Next, we read through the ordination of priests as they prepare themselves for God's presence. Unfortunately, Aaron's sons were careless in their service and were struck down. From there, the focus shifted to ritual purity, encompassing dietary laws, childbirth, skin disease and mould. These weren't to do with morality, but served as practices to instill in the people the importance of purifying themselves. After that came the pinnacle of the Israelite calendar, the Day of Atonement. The high priest atoned for the people's sins through the life found in blood. He then cast out the sin into the desert. From there, we switched to moral purity. Now that the people have been cleaned, they are to live in a way that helps them maintain that cleanliness and purity. After that, we read about the qualifications of priests. This included restrictions on marriage and contact with the dead, reflecting the need for wholeness and purity in God's service. From there, we looked at ritual feasts, including Sabbath, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths. These feasts again existed to instill healthy rhythms of rest and remembrance in the lives of the Israelites. Then yesterday's reading carried this on, looking at more day-to-day -day workings of the tabernacle. We also read of a case of someone blaspheming the name of God and contaminating the camp. In this case, the contamination and the person doing the contaminating had to be removed from the camp. Finally, we zoomed all the way out to the Sabbath year, every seven years, and the year of Jubilee, every seven times seven years. These were years of rest and redemption. So let's jump in with our last section, Leviticus 26 to 27. This holiness code that we've been reading through, Leviticus 17 to 26, ends here with a conclusion. We get a description of what happens if the people are obedient to all the rules laid out and what happens if they are not. If they are obedient, God's blessing is poured out upon them. He will give them success in everything they do. He will give them peace and provide for them and cause them to grow into a mighty nation. But if they're disobedient, he will punish them. Here we get, once again, the two sides of God's character. His mercy through faithfulness and his justice through judgment. But note the differences between the two. If the people are obedient, they will get the full blessings. But if the people are disobedient, they will get a portion of the punishment in the hope that they repent and are obedient again. Then if they continue, they get a larger portion of the punishment until finally God will remove them from the land so that the land can rest from their contamination. Even in God's judgment, he is still faithful to the people and is merciful enough to give them a way back. The final chapter is about vows. You could make a vow to commit yourself, your property or your land to the tabernacle. Each of these things would then ultimately belong to the tabernacle. But what if you dedicated yourself to the tabernacle, then something comes up and you're no longer able to serve there. You can't break your vow. So instead, you could redeem yourself by paying the equivalent amount of money. The same applied to property and to land. This was a useful system because it made allowances for people that made vows that they could no longer keep and also provided a small amount of extra income for the upkeep of the tabernacle. And so we come to the end of Leviticus. We ended Exodus with Moses not being able to enter God's presence because the contamination that had infected the people and the land. Now through Leviticus, we've read how the people are to maintain their relationship with God, 
how they're to get themselves clean and then conduct themselves now that they are clean. Tomorrow, we'll read in Numbers whether it worked or not. But that's Leviticus. Then let's look at Psalm 39. This psalm is attributed to King David and is titled to Jaduthun. It falls into the category of lament, though this psalm is more abstract than previous lament psalms. Rather than being about a specific struggle, this psalm is a reflection on how fleeting life is, which leads the psalmist to then confess their sins. Jaduthun was one of David's lead musicians. Have a look at 1 Chronicles 16 to 40, verse 41. Jaduthun's name may also be similar to the Hebrew word for confession, and so it may be a play on words. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. And so we have verses one to three, I am guarded before the wicked. Verses four to six, my life is transient. Verses seven to nine, deliver me from my transgressions. Verses 10 to 13, have mercy on me and hear me. The psalm opens with the psalmist talking to themselves. They decided to keep quiet and keep to themselves. Life is too short and too difficult to warrant drawing the attention of the wicked. Unfortunately, this didn't last too long for them. Though at first they kept silent, this only led to being more frustrated and angry with what they saw. This became like a fire building inside them. So instead they turned to God, asking them why life is so short. The unspoken question here is that it all seems so meaningless, where life is but a breath while the wicked seem to prosper. Working through this thought, the psalmist is then led to repent, stripping everything back. God is their source of hope. In the midst of all this, their trust has to be found in him. They have become too focused on what the wicked were doing that they had failed to seek after God. The psalmist now fully turns to God and asks for mercy. They ask God to forgive their distrust in his order and to remain close. The point of this psalm is to not get caught up in the mundane or the busyness of life. Don't despise any of it. Instead, allow life to find meaning in God.